Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Michael Langup is our guest. He's the president and CEO of the Raleigh-Durham International Airport. He comes to Raleigh-Durham after uh, serving as the president of the Chattanooga uh, Metropolitan Airport Authority. Uh, And he's been in Raleigh-Durham, what what did we calculate, 22 years now? Is that what we calculated? 12 years. Yeah, sorry about that. 12 years. 12 years. Yeah. Well, uh, that's that's still a long time. And and so... uh, but this is, you've been here during a period of great growth, not only in the Research Triangle area, but also the state of North Carolina. So it, it uh, I guess growth is just, uh, you know, something that is on your mind all the time. And we talked in the first segment about your vision 2040, the plans for extended runways and such as that. But we didn't get around to talking about parking because people have to get to the airport to be able to fly. So what plans do you have to increase parking and making that more available to the consumers? Yeah, so what I would tell you is we're going to take what we call a multimodal approach because not everybody's going to drive a car, not everybody's going to take a bus, but we're, we're going to try to make sure whatever mode of transportation you come to, we can actually serve. And so part of the things we're going to do is we're going to improve the roadway system to RDU. And so when you get onto campus, you know, you can get to Terminal 1, get to Terminal 2, and there's a lot of weaving that occurs between Terminal 1 and Terminal 2. We're going to try to clean that up so you don't have to do all that weaving, provide additional capacity on that roadway system, and also expand our curve frontage on Terminal 2. Uh, when Terminal 1 was actually built, it was actually built during a period of time where there was a hub there. And so a lot of customers were coming through there and transferring, but they weren't necessarily driving to that facility. And so we'll expand the curve front. We're also going to develop a ground transportation center that's going to allow all that commercial ground transportation. So any mode you're going to take, you're going to take an Uber, a Lyft, a taxi cab, black car limousine, uh, a bus, doesn't matter. We'll put you in that central location between those two terminals and hopefully allow you to expedite in there, get out of your car or get in and then get back out. From a parking standpoint, you're going to see us take down two small decks right in front of Terminal 2. It's what we refer to parking garage one and parking garage two. And we have to do that because we really need additional roadway expansion or width in that area to meet the long-term demand. And then we'll come back and rebuild that structure. Well, when you do that, you immediately take about 2,500 stalls worth of parking out of play. So we're in the process of expanding our economy lot, not only to meet the reduction of the existing parking deck structures at T2, but also meet the demand for the future. Because again, we have different parking products. I have a premier parking product, which is on the first floor, easy for our customers to get in the facility. I've got a parking central, which is the parking deck, easy to get in those facilities. I have a business express, which is a trunk to curb uh, concept where you pull into this lot, we'll have a van drive right up to your vehicle, give you a bottle of water, help your luggage on board and take you right to the front curb. And then I have an economy lot. So again, just like we were talking about the frills, what do you want to pay for? What level of service do you want? We provide all those levels of service and we want to make sure we've got enough economy parkers, especially with all these ultra low cost carriers and people that are price sensitive. We want to make sure we have an affordable parking location for all those customers coming to RDU. So a little bit about ground transportation, a little bit about our roadway improvements and a little bit about our parking and multimodal strategy here at RDU. Uh, rental cars, of course, are a big uh, thing at airports. Uh, how many rental car companies do we have at uh, Raleigh-Durham? 
Great question. I think that's up to five at this point in time, five major brands we've got. But within each one of those brands, you've got, for example, you've got Alamo National uh, that are all part of an overall group uh, at our deal. So uh, how many, do you have any data on how many rental cars they rent per day or, or per Gosh, week? I don't have any of that data in front of me, but I will tell you is that that is a market that continues to grow. And one of the things we're looking at at our view is developing what we can solve, what we can call a consolidated rental car facility, or we use as an acronym CONRAC, Consolidated Rental Car Facility. And prior to the pandemic, we were looking at building this structure just like a parking structure that would house all of those different brands, all those rental cars that make it very easy for our customers to come right out of facilities, walk right there, pick their car up and, and uh, depart to wherever they needed to go to. And when they return, drop it off right there, don't have to take a bus to the facilities. That was 2019. Pandemic hit, uh, that project went on the back burner. And as we started to recover in 22 and 23, we've opened that project back up to determine what's the right location. I will tell you one of the things we've seen is a little bit of sticker shock from a construction standpoint. So just to give you a little idea on a national basis, overall construction from 2017 has escalated about 44% across the country. Wow. Some places more, more because you know there's limited supply of contractors available. And so that drives price up, right? And so we're seeing that that cost of that Conrack has grown pretty significantly to the point we're having to go back and reevaluate how large, what location, so we can afford something to improve the experience for our customers here at RDU regarding their rental car operations. You know, I was thinking when I was at the state fair, there is similarity between the state fair and the airport and the fact that uh, I love to, to check out all the different restaurants and types of foods that you have at the airport these days. <laughs> I was wondering where you were going to take that question. You're talking about state fair and airports. I wasn't yeah. quite sure where that question was going to go. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not sure you have the grease pickles or whatever, but you have uh, a lot of other choices. Uh, have you added any new restaurants recently? And how important is this to the air traveler? Yeah, so uh, first of all, I will tell you that as we went through the pandemic, uh, our concessionaires got hit very hard. Uh, we wound up losing eight different concepts uh, as a result of uh, the customers just disappeared. Remember, we lost 96% of our customers. Uh, we were about 50% recovered by 2021. And so we're really in our re rebuilding phase. And so some of the things we started to do is the farm bakery. Uh, that's something that just came online probably about 12 months ago, and they've done a phenomenal job. Uh, BU Cafe, which is a coffee shop that we're providing pre-security, uh, both Terminal 1 and Terminal 2. That's a new concept, and we're really excited about that. And then, of course, we've got a couple of temporary units we put into play as we build for the future. One's Cantina Grill, the other one's Lone Rider. Both of those are kind of uh, quick grab-and-go type food. Uh, get a little beer, wine, uh, and enjoy that. But we do have some pretty big aspirations of what we want our concession program to look like for the future. So you're going to start to see 2024 for me is going to be a banner year for the redevelopment of our concession program. You'll see in the first quarter of 2024, we will bring online what we call black and white roasters coffee. So this is a, a local company here in the Raleigh area, well known for people that are in the Raleigh community. We're also going to bring online what we call the Carolina Craft, Carolina Craft is a kind of a charcuterie boards, 
uh, and beers, beers from North Carolina uh, that people can sit down and really enjoy. And then, of course, Crawford Genuine. So Scott Crawford, an award-winning chef right here in our local community, will develop a very nice menu for us uh, and hopefully will be on board this first quarter. On top of that, there is 10 more concepts that are coming down the line. What we did is we did a really nice job of getting out into our community. And majority of these are either from the Raleigh community or Durham community of entrepreneurs, business leaders that are restauranteurs that are gonna be coming into our airport providing great services and great food. So we're gonna provide our customers 15 new concepts, all different, providing a host of different opportunities for different types of foods that they can select from. And we're very excited about 2024. Uh, we know we've had some limited um, uh, concessions uh, in 23, but we believe 24 is gonna be a great year. And I think our customers are gonna be really excited about all the different concepts that are coming forward. A lot of these are local concepts that people know quite well. What about the other types of vendors like big bookstores and uh, souvenir shops and things? Uh, do you see that expanding into new areas? So I will tell you the retail side of the program has done exceptionally well. Uh, we do have some of those kind of what we call flight stop type um, uh, facilities where you can get magazines and books and those types of things. We think right now, today, we've got that probably properly sized. But as we continue to grow and expand and add gates, you'll see us continue to expand in that retail side as well. Well, that's that's fascinating. And, and uh, again, uh, the uh, it seems to be a, a lot of fun checking out the restaurants as you wait. And it makes the wait time seem to go much faster. And I think that's sort of part of the travel experience that uh, you're looking for these days. Well, you know, uh, and we, we, we try to encourage our customers to be here two hours in advance. And a lot of that is you got to get parked, you got to get in and get checked in, you got to get through screening. And don't forget all the airlines, they start, excuse me, start boarding that airplane 40 minutes before. So a lot of times customers have got, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, gives them an opportunity if they want to go find a magazine or want to get a candy bar or want to sit down real quick for a quick meal or a beverage before they get on board. So hopefully it makes it, um, uh, instead of a stressful environment, a nice environment that they can enjoy some amenities and services before they get on board and look forward to where they're going to travel to, either for leisure or business. Let's talk about the check-in process just a little bit. I know there's been a lot of improvement from when they uh, it first started. Uh, how do you see that uh, becoming even more convenient <clears throat> for the traveler? Uh, again, I think what the airlines are trying to encourage their customers to do as much as they can get you onto your phone through an app to check in, pay for your bags, any upgrades you need, handle it that way where uh, they can make it as frictionless as possible. You don't have to contact somebody and talk to a person. There's always a person available at the ticket counters itself, but if they can in improve that experience through their app to process you, it's gonna help the experience in terms of you're gonna be able to get through those facilities quickly uh, by being able to get all those questions answered on your phone. So I think I see a lot of that. Uh, we've installed quite a few kiosks as well. So those that may not be as savvy on the use of their phone, uh, you can go right to the kiosk and it's pretty intuitive in terms of the buttons you need to click to get checked in and get your bags checked and those types of things. Uh, but again, I think the technology will continue to evolve uh, to try to make it as easy as possible for our customers to get through this facility. One of the things that always seems like it takes longer than uh, you want is uh, when you depart, uh, deplane, and get ready to go home. It seems like that wait to, to pick up your baggage uh, seems always to be a little longer than you expect. 
What can be done to speed up that process? Yeah, so it's interesting. So we try to track the amount of time it takes from the point that that airplane lands uh, and they open the back door to unload that baggage to where it goes to the baggage carousel. And where we do see those anomalies, we continue to try to bring that to the attention of the airlines because the airport doesn't handle the bags. It's handled by the actual airlines themselves. But if we see anomalies, we try to bring that up to the attention. Sometimes the airlines are familiar with it. Sometimes, for example, during thunderstorm season, when you have multiple planes that are holding in the air till the storm passes and they all come in at once, they weren't staffed to handle 10 airplanes at once. They were, they were scheduled to handle those airplanes over a two or two or three hour period. And so it gets kind of, you know, bunched up. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, uh, crews are sick uh, and they don't have sufficient staffing. But again, we try to continue to uh, highlight where they've got deficiencies uh, to make sure they're delivering those bags as quickly as possible. I know Delta uh, has a 20-minute guarantee that they've put into their system. If you don't deliver it, you can submit a request to them and they will give you bonus miles uh, if they don't deliver on their promise. And so I think the airlines are trying to get better. A lot of them have RFID tags now. So when you, you know, put your tag on there, they know exactly where your bag is within the process itself. Uh, to hopefully, uh, if they can't find it, they can through the RFID tag, they can locate it within the building itself and get it to you. So they're making technology improvements and investments. Uh, try to make sure that your bag will get there as quickly as possible and you'll actually get your bag uh, in terms of uh, traveling. That's fascinating. And uh, I have seen a great improvement in that in the last couple of years. And it uh, certainly makes the trip uh, a little shorter getting back home safely to your home and so forth. Well, we've got one more segment and we've got lots of other things we'd like to talk to you about. Uh, our guest is Michael Languff. He is the uh, CEO of the Raleigh-Durham International Airport. And we've been talking about uh, airline travel and airport operations. Uh, we've covered uh, a lot of the Vision 2040 plan, which carries them into the year 2040 with new plans and the expenditure of somewhere around $4.8 billion. Wow. We'll be back with more on Carolina Newsmakers and our discussion with Michael right after we take time out for these messages. What is dedication? The thing that drives me every day as a dad is Darian. We call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's attention, affection, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. That's dedication. Find out more at fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. 
SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis. We're back on Carolina Newsmakers. Michael Ingham is our guest. He is the president and CEO of Raleigh-Durham International Airport. And we've talked about all sorts of things that have to do with airline operations and airport operations. Of course, one of the things that uh, Michael points out to us is that uh, so many of the employees are actually employees of the airlines and not of the airport. But uh, he, of course, uh, has great knowledge of that whole system and has been able to answer some of those questions. I've got uh, sort of an interesting uh, interest in Terminal 1 because, of course, I go all the way back to when Terminal 1 was it. And uh, so... uh, What are your, do you have, uh, how do you bring Terminal 1 up to the standards of Terminal 2? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. Um, As we kind of talked early in the program about the replacement of our long primary runway, until that gets completed, you really can't do a gate expansion at Terminal 2. And if you've seen, as I shared with you, 22 new destinations, 46 additional flights, 23% growth this year, it leads the question is, don't you think we should be looking at a gate expansion? And we are. So we began the programming phase for Terminal 1 for a gate expansion. We believe that's probably somewhere between 9 and 15 gates. And so as we start to get into that program, how will that facility function? What, we, what do we think the different concepts are? What does the final you know, fixtures and, and environment look like in the building itself? So we're looking at all those things right now. And I think what you'll probably see is, us get into a gate program first over at Terminal 1, adding capacity and improving the experience for our customers before we get back to Terminal 2 because we've got to build a runway first. You mentioned earlier that you have some 450 or so employees on the actual airport staff. How many people actually work at the airport, counting the airlines, the rental car companies, the restaurants? the vendors and so forth. Do you have a total number of employees that actually work at the airport? Yeah, so we have 5,000 badges that we've issued here at RDU. And so that is a combination of thinking of all these different jobs. So Transportation Security Administration hires screeners. The Federal Aviation Administration hires controllers, controls people in airspace. The airlines hire ticket counter folks, um, ground handling staff, pilots, flight attendants, uh, the rental car companies hire staff. Uh, we've also got our employees that are uh, in the makeup. And of course, we're doing lots of construction. Remember, we've got about a $2.8 billion construction. So we've got uh, private uh, consultant engineers, planners, on-site inspectors, contractors uh, that make up this entire campus and make up those 5,000 badges. Imagine a little mini city that's exactly what we are. It's a little mini city. And just about any job you can think of that's at a city, that's exactly what we've got here at RDU. So um, how many parking spaces are utilized uh, by the actual employees? Because we talked about parking being a serious <laughs> problem always as uh, the airport usage goes up. How many parking spaces uh, do you need for employees and where do they park? Yeah, so that's a great question. So I, I think we're averaging about 1,200 to 1,500 cars that are parked for employees uh, on a daily basis. Uh, so again, not all 5,000 employees are here because 
we run a 24-7, 365 operation. So typically at 5 a.m. in the morning, that's when the first airplane's taking off down the runway. And usually at about 1230 at night, the last airplane's coming in, unless there's weather delays someplace across the country. It's a little bit later. Uh, so uh, a lot of our employees park in Economy 3 uh, and they take a, a shuttle bus in there. Uh, we've got a manager's lot that sit, sits between Terminal 1 and Terminal 2. So if there's manager for one of the private companies, uh, that's where they will wind up parking. Um, but the rest of the spaces, the decks, that's all for our customers. Uh, that's what the service is there for. You mentioned earlier that uh, business travel is returning, uh, but uh, <clears throat> leisure travel has returned a little sooner. Uh, do you anticipate uh, that leisure travel will continue to grow at its present rate, or will it sort of top out? Well, you know, it's interesting. When we first came out of the pandemic, I think if you talk to airport directors across the country, we really felt businesses would be the first one that would return. And what we found out, that was the complete opposite. What we saw return was the leisure customers. And so then our next hypothesis was that, well, the first thing they're going to do is go visit their loved ones, go visit mom and dad, go visit their, their family members. And then they were going to, the second trip was going to be a vacation. So we thought we would spike and this would eventually kind of fall back to more of a normal level. Well, it never fell off. People continue to travel. And so I think it's a combination of what we're seeing from a population standpoint. So we have a large population that's retiring. And when people retire, what do they want to do? They want to travel. They want to see things. They want an opportunity to go places because they've got time. The other thing we've seen is we have a younger generation that really enjoys to travel. So that younger generation, they are spending a lot of money traveling all over the world to experience different things. And so a combination of the demographics and what their interest is, is driving this leisure demand. But also you have what we call a leisure customer. And a leisure customer is a business leisure customer because some companies have allowed their employees to work remotely, right? So if I want to go to Montana and I work for an ABC company, and they say, you can work remotely in Montana, but we're not going to pay you for the airline ticket. They're paying their own way out there, but yet they're going out there for business to work, but they're paying their own way. Wow. So it's really transformed, you know, how customers are actually traveling. And the airlines are all trying to figure that out is what's the new cycle. And what we typically see is we're seeing big surges that come in during the holiday period, during the vacation period. Airlines are starting to forecast now that uh, they're starting to see a dip earlier in August than they did before. And it's carrying into September, which typically they were seeing later in August and a little bit of a pickup in September as people came off vacation and businesses were traveling. They're not seeing that as much. And so the early August is people are going to school earlier. And so it's starting to take away that leisure demand. But I think you're going to start to see during the holiday period as we get into November, December, it's going to be very strong, very strong holiday period uh, as we get to the end of the year. But I think that that leisure, I think there's been a fundamental shift uh, in the airline industry where this leisure travel, it is here to stay. And people are looking for great experiences and they enjoy the opportunity to travel and flying is a great way to, to accomplish that. I'm going to sort of change this up. You can talk about the airlines for just a moment. Are they doing a pretty good job of maintaining their fleet? And is, Do we have an aging fleet or are we sort of on schedule <clears throat> to keep our airlines fresh and alive with uh, new and more modern planes? Yeah, so I think the airlines are spending a lot more money and in investing in new aircraft. 
Uh, a lot of it is just the, the economics of the fuel efficiency of these new airplanes are coming out. 15 to 20% savings on fuel when you're flying the number of hours that they're flying. Makes a lot of sense to upgrade. I think American Airlines has got multiple orders, 500 plus airplanes, Air India, 500 plus airplanes. You're starting to see across the world significant demand for new airplanes, not just because the you know you have an aging fleet, but they're also looking for efficiency in their operation to reduce overall fuel consumption and save money. So I think you'll continue to see new airplanes enter into the system on a fairly regular basis over the next several years. Because airplanes are so expensive, I'm sure keeping them in the air as much as possible is one of the uh, the focal points of airline planning. Uh, how much time does a plane on average spend on the ground and in the air? You know, that's a great question because that's changed over time. I think what the airlines have done is they used to make everything pretty tight with pretty tight turns to make sure they get that airplane up in the air. But because they're having to clean those airplanes, that ground time is starting to extend and they're trying to make sure that they have great on-time performance. And so those ground times are expanding for cleaning, but also to make sure they can build in a little bit of time for disruptions in the system, whether it's weather, ATC delays, or those types of things. I don't know on average, I think a lot of it would depend upon the type of airplane. So probably smaller regional jet airplanes are flying a lot of point to point. They may take off and land eight times in a day, but it may be a short duration of flight with a longer ground time on the ground. Along uh, those transatlantic aircraft, I mean, they're up in the air, they're flying as much as they can, and then they're on the ground for about three hours and they're back up in the air again. So I don't know the specifics, but a lot of it depends upon the fleet and how they're utilizing that aircraft. We uh, earlier in the program talked about the uh, shortage of pilots. Uh, uh, is that uh, situation getting worse or better? Well, I think it's reached its pinnacle. And I now believe that it's starting to come down a little bit. I, I don't know that we have it totally solved, but I think it's a lot like a lot of businesses and a lot of different industries. I think everybody's tried to figure out how they're going to try to uh, deal with uh, retirements and turnover in their organization. And they're coming up with strategies and the airlines have done the exact same thing. They're coming up with strategies in terms of how they try to recruit and retain and develop a pipeline of pilots for the future. So I think they have got a strategy. They're implementing that strategy. So I think it's improving. I don't think we have got it totally fixed, but it looks like they're heading for uh, bluer skies. Now, we also mentioned earlier, of course, the $4.8 billion worth of construction that you anticipate. Uh, when will we start seeing that, uh, that money flow into the local economy? Um, I think you're going to start seeing as I just got a draft of my budget for the upcoming year. And so uh, I think our capital program will go from about $100 million to about $300 million this year alone, uh, this upcoming year alone. So you're, you're starting to see that, you know, get in, get into the system. I would tell you the North Carolina Department of Transportation, Division of Aviation does a, every two years they do an economic impact analysis. And they concluded that RDU has a $17 billion a year economic impact. Uh, they support more than 85,000 jobs in our region and generate about almost 900 million dollars for the state and local taxes. So you can see we're a large contributor to our local community from an economic development standpoint and economic impact. Uh, and we do appreciate all the support we receive from our community and the region supporting RDU. Wow. Well, thank you so much for the, you've covered so much uh, 
uh, ground in, in our program today. I would remind the listener, if you've missed any of this and would like to hear a repeat of the broadcast, you can go online to Carolina Newsmakers and hear the entire broadcast. Uh, it's been fascinating to listen. Of course, the Raleigh-Durham International Airport is a uh, uh, is governed by the Raleigh-Durham Airport Authority with an eight-member board. Who's your chairman right now? Mr. Ellis Hankins is our chairman of the board. I know Ellis well, and he's he's a fine person, and I'm sure he will give you great leadership. He's doing a great job. Well, Michael, again, thank you so much for answering all our questions. And, of course, uh, we look forward to having you back on and bringing us up to date on Vision 2040 and all the exciting plans of extending new services and uh, serving the citizens of this area better. Thank uh, you, Don. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You Our have a great day. program this week has been produced by Christine Bellino, the news director of uh, Curtis Media Group. And uh, Jason will be back next week, and he'll have another guest for us, I'm sure. And we'll look forward to that. So, uh, again, if you would like to hear a repeat, a repeat of this broadcast, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear the entire broadcast. It's about 45 minutes in there. So next week, have a good week, everybody. Carolina Newsmakers is a production of NCN and is heard each week on a network of North Carolina's leading radio stations. To hear a repeat of this broadcast, go to carolinanewsmakers.com. Carolina Newsmakers is produced by Jason Kong. Network engineer is Alan Sherrill. I'm Scott Fitzgerald inviting you to join us again next week, same time, for Carolina Newsmakers. Newsmakers.